0: I choose Son, Thou in me
1: dwelling, and I with thee one. Come on, let this be your prayer. help in time of trouble. You're our fortress. You're the representation of all hope. And God, everything that we have ever hoped to be, God resides in and comes because of you. God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Oh, thank you, Lord. I haven't done that song in a long time. Isn't that a beautiful song? But it just says the words of what we need to do. God, you're my vision. You know, the the psalmist says, delight yourself in God, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Man, have we taken that scripture out of context. You know, when you look at it and you really look at the, the actual terminology, and you heard me teach this a thousand times, when God becomes your delight, his heart becomes your desire. That's very simply what it is. And the problem is, we got too many gods. What do you mean, Pastor? The one sitting in your chair. The one holding this guitar. We get in the way of God all the time. Can somebody say amen? That's why this next song has to be our prayer. Going into tonight's message, this has to be our prayer. Because the truth is, folks, we have issues. We have struggles. We have difficulties. And the only thing we can do is say, God, take my heart. David said, Lord, cleanse my heart. And that needs to be a prayer that we pray all the time, that we don't get tainted by the world's standards and always keep ourselves under God's standard. Can somebody say amen? Change my heart. Oh,
0: God, make it ever new. Change my heart, oh, God.
1: May I be like you. Let's say it again. Everybody, change my heart. Change my heart, oh, God. Let this be your prayer tonight. Make it
0: ever new, change my heart, oh God, my heart, oh God, may I be like. like you. Let's sing it again, everyone. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever new
1: We thank you tonight, Lord. That is our prayer. That is the depths of our request. God, we want to be like you. We want to be sons and daughters, yielded to you, dedicated to you, living for you. God, we thank you for this, that you answer that prayer. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Let's get in. If you don't have notes, does everybody have notes tonight? Okay. Anybody not have notes? There should be some back there. Lift your hand up high. Uh, Steve, will would one of you guys get them for us? I want to do something tonight before we do get into your notes. Uh, are y'all with me? Okay, I want to I want to address last Saturday. okay, let me ask you real quick, how many are here? That means the rapture didn't happen, right? Okay. Well, we better hope the rapture didn't happen. We're in bad shape. Okay. Now, I, I, I want to I just want to address it just briefly, and I want to do this by reading the Book of Thessalo, uh, Second Thessalonians, and then I want to read I want to read uh, First Thessalonians. Um. And so, if you, if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay? 2 Thessalonians, turn there, because I'm just going to go through this real quick, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. There are too many Christians to get caught up in all the things they shouldn't get caught up in. And one of the things that we get caught up in is trying to figure out when Jesus is going to return. How many know that Jesus said nobody knows except my Father. Okay? So let me tell you something when somebody tells you they know, hightail out of there. Okay? Cuz cuz folks <laughs> You say, well, Pastor, what if somebody gets a lucky guess? I don't know. But all I do know, folks, is nobody knows. So let me read to you, and I'm just going to read this out, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay? I beseech you, brethren, well, let me change uh, versions here. Let me go to the, um, <clears throat> yes, 2 Thessalonians 2. Okay? Concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should get your attention, shouldn't it? When the Bible specifically outlines a statement, it says, okay, folks, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many think you should listen to what the Bible says and not what some other writer says? Okay. So the Bible says concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and being gathered together with him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, don't become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching of, that is allegedly from us, whether by prophecy or word of mouth by, or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Folks, they have been talking about the Lord's, that uh, he, he's already come for 2,000 years. Since Jesus went away, they've been talking about his coming back. Okay? Now, the thing that we have different than they had then is for 2,500 years, there was no Israel. In 1948, that all changed. Actually, it all changed in 1917 with the with the Balfour Accord. Uh, uh, but then it just started working and ramping towards 1948. But Israel did not fully become a nation until 1967. And we've taught that here, and we understand that. So we know that the Lord couldn't couldn't come up until this time because there was certain things that had to be in place. Okay, so. In verse 3, it says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. Look at me. When somebody starts running around and saying, He's here, He's there, He's another place, the book of Luke says, He isn't. Because when He comes, everybody's going to know. It's not going to be secret. Now, the rapture is going to be. Who's going to see Him in the rapture? Just the Christians. Only people that are looking for him is the people that call themselves Christians or people that are living like Christians. That's right. We Folks, we've got to live for Him. Right, okay. So don't let anyone deceive you in any way. Now let me outline some things that we see transpiring as we speak. Verse 4, or uh, the end of verse 3, that day will not come. Say that with me. That day will not come. I'm reading the New International Version. You know, whatever version you have, that's what I'm reading out of, okay? That day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Okay? We're talking about uh, uh, Daniel chapter 9 where the where the Antichrist comes on the scene, he shows up, and we know that that has happened when the peace accord is signed between Israel, listen, not the rest of the world, but the Muslim nations, okay? The war has always been Isaac and Ishmael. Are you with me? Okay, it's not United States and Saudi Arabia. It's not China and and North Korea it's always been a spiritual war ultimately what has the war always been Satan and God always has been until the day the Lord shuts it up and finishes it you say well, why doesn't God just do that because God is holy God is just God set the time for the end before he set the beginning And when the end happens, guess what? It ends. Not before, not after. Okay? Questions so far? Okay, no wrong questions? Pastor, what if you don't know the answer? It won't be the first time. I just know where to find all the answers. Okay? So that day won't come unless the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness, doomed for destruction, comes on the scene. He will oppose and will exalt everything over uh, himself, over everything that is called God or is worshiped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming uh, uh, himself to be God. We see this as happening three and a half years into the tribulation period. If you're a pre-tribulationist as I am, okay, uh, you say, oh, pastor, are you sure that you're sure that you're sure that the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation? As sure as I can possibly be. But folks, you know what? If it doesn't, I know what I'm looking for. Are you okay? Don't get nervous on me. i am just tell you, okay? Okay, I, let me back up here a second. That day will not come except first the rebellion occurs. The Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. I'm trying to do this real quick because I want to get into our notes, okay? That day of rebellion is when there is violence filling the earth. How many think that is happening right now? Okay? We just told uh, two weeks ago there was a big note that came up that Hamas, Hezbollah, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and all those other folks are all joining forces. And uh, you you can go out and Google this, and they're joining under the cause of Hamas, the flag of Hamas. They're all going to still have their own flags, but they're all coming under that. Okay? So I've taught this in the church. So uh, uh, the word Hamas, we find that word, in, the, in Genesis chapter 6, the days of Noah, God said, violence, cover the earth, and I'm going to destroy it because of it. The word violence in the Hebrew is Hamas. Okay? Coincidence? Let's go on here. Okay? So we see what's happening. The man of sin has to show up. The man, the same guy that's going to set up his his likeness in the temple three and a half years into the tribulation. Don't you remember that I was with you? I told you all these things. Okay? And now you know what is holding him back so that uh, he may be revealed at that proper time. Okay. A lot of people have taught for years and years that this is the Holy Spirit. The reality, it can't be the Holy Spirit, because during the tribulation, people are getting saved. And the only way the Bible says that people can get saved is the Holy Spirit has to draw them. So if the Holy Spirit is taken out of the earth, who's drawing the people? Okay? So the reality, what we understand, what I have studied and understand, and and countless other Bible scholars is he's referring to the church. The church has to be taken away because we are causing the greatest obstacle for the enemy. Okay, let me continue on here. Verse 6. And oh, I already read that. Verse 7. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. How many see it already happening in the world? But the one who holds back, holds it back will continue to do so until it is taken out of the way. Which we most of us believe, most uh, the Bible scholars that I've read and, and a handful that don't believe, you know literally a handful uh, we believe that's fulfilled in Revelation 4.1, okay? After the seven churches are talked about, Revelation 4.1, the Bible, you see a picture that God tells John, come up. Let me show you the things that's going to happen. And then we hear, you know, uh, Revelation 4, Revelation 5 talks about all the things that John beheld in heaven, glorious things he couldn't even talk about. He didn't even know how to say. And then Revelation 6, chapter, verse 1, what happens? The beginning of the tribulation. The Bible says that Jesus opens the seals. I'm going to think Jesus is going to open the seals to destroy his own kids, okay? You can read the rest of that. I'm not going to get into it, but I am going to take you over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, okay? Okay? I just want to show you guys that there, guys and gals, there's a lot of stuff that is transpiring right now that you and I have no need to be bothered by, okay? Because these are things that are going to come to pass. Matthew 24 has an entire list, and it says, these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And then you say, well, Pastor, when is the end? It says that when the gospel is preached into all the earth, then the end will come. You, you, you mean there's a last person that has to hear? That's what it sounds like to me. You know, who's that last person? That's why we need to be all witnessing, telling people about Jesus. Let's get at that last person real quick. Somebody say amen. Okay? First Thessalonians chapter four, brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed. I'm verse thirteen about those who have died, okay, those who sleep in death. He says, so that you uh, do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep or those who have died before His return, according to the Lord's will. We tell you that we who are still alive and left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those that fell asleep. They're not going to be left behind, folks, and we're going to heaven. They're going to precede us. The Bible said the dead in Christ will rise first. For the Lord himself will come from heaven with a loud voice and a loud command. The archangel, the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. And that we who are still alive and remaining will be caught up. That word caught up is the Greek word, arpasio, which is where we get the word rapture from, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, and there we will be with the Lord forever. Can somebody say amen? Okay. So I, I shared all that because I, I want to put to rest what happened last Saturday. Did it happen? Yes, my wife went out and found a an actual app that you can download on the phone you can point it to the heavens. She pointed it to the heavens and the exact alignment of the constellations and stuff. And I, I've had people say, well, Pastor, it was nine months and it was 42 weeks. And, and you know, and, then the, and the birth happened. You know, I know that is the gestation period of children. But I also know kids that come early and kids that come late. Folks, all I can tell you is Jesus won't be early and he won't be late. He'll be right on time. Okay, and that's what we have to focus on. Okay, just because we can't figure it out doesn't mean it's not happening. Are you with me? Okay. Before I get into tonight, I want to open it for any questions. Any questions about last week or about anything? Yes, Miss Carey. Microphone. Um, one of the
0: questions I asked, and you said to remind you and ask you again was about the Catholic Church and how all, a lot of the other denominations were going to join together under the Catholic Church, something like that?
1: I don't remember the question. I don't remember the, I don't know the, what's happening there. (laughs)
0: Um, It started with my, my father had mentioned something about the Catholic Church was trying to unite like a lot of all the religions other churches, in the world. all
1: okay. religions. Okay. I'll address that. A lot of people think, and, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to throw these things out there, okay? They think the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon, okay? One of the reasons they think that, and, and we find that as the picture of the great dragon that we talked about uh, last Wednesday night that is going to capture up the church, try to destroy the church, but God's going to take him out, okay? Uh, the, uh, you know, it it is incestuous with, with all the religions. Right now, uh, what's the Pope's name? Francis? Is that, what's his name? No, Pope. Pope. Whatever his name is. Pope. The guy, yeah, the guy with the the tall hat. I can't think of his name right now for some reason. Um. he is, he is, he is based, how do I say this? Folks, I don't want to offend anybody. My wife and I were raised Catholic. I know the Catholic Church probably, I know the Catholic Church as well as the as the priest in this town knows it. Probably better. Okay? But the reality is I, I don't want to offend anybody by saying so, because a lot of us have family and stuff in there. And I believe a lot of people go to the Catholic Church just because that's where they've always gone. Okay. I believe the Catholic Church is full of real Christians, and I believe the church is full of of dead bodies, you know, that are playing a religious game. Uh, the problem with the Pope right now, Pope Francis, I think is that his name is that right, Francis? Okay. Um, I actually I actually taught here a couple years ago, and and if I get enough interest, I'll teach on it again. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll teach on the Malachi prophecies. Uh, about the uh, last pope and just the irony over a 100 years how this thing was all brought out and everything, everything that was prophesied has come to pass to the T. And if it's true, this is the last pope according to Malachi prophecies, okay? Uh, And if it's true. So he he has said, he has stood up and said, God and Allah, are the same God. Okay, Pope Francis has stood up and said those words. Okay, he uh, he has, he has had uh, Muslim, whatever they call their services, at the Vatican. He, he's basically desecrating everything that the Catholic Church stood for, and he is basically uh, condoning homosexuality, saying that that God's okay. It's love. It's about the love. And there's all kinds of stuff. So in doing this, he is trying to bring all the religions together, okay, in one accord, in one place, just as that. And there are a lot of people that because they teach that he is the whore, that the Catholic Church is the whore of Babylon, that he is the false prophet. Folks, you know, you know, pastor, why don't you just make a, a make a statement that he is or he isn't? I'm not Jesus. I don't know. Okay? But I, I know enough that there is, folks, it is not the time to be playing church. Okay? So hopefully that answered. Uh, in that, they're trying to merge uh, all the religions of the world. They're trying to bring them all together. Okay? Somebody else? Any other questions before we get into tonight? Does somebody have a hand up or he? Oh, okay, you're getting batteries. I thought he was running in the bathroom. I didn't know what he was doing. Okay, so I need a, I need a good, strong reader. Who's going to be a good, strong reader for me? Okay, Tim. Go ahead, Tim. Okay, Tim, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. Lucinda, Romans 12, 2. Uh, uh, wifey, Pastor Wifey, John 17, 17. Uh, Jack, give me John 8, 32. Okay? Uh, uh, Ken, all the way back in the back. Matthew eleven two 2 through 6. Matthew eleven two, 2 through, t- through 6. Okay? Where does deception begin? I'm in your notes. Part 2. In your notes. Where does deception begin? It's a rhetorical question, folks. It's right in your notes. Where does it begin? Starts in the mind. Okay, the devil assaults our minds. Okay, which is the gateway of our heart. If you want to say that, we think we think. Well, it's got to be the other way around. Well, the soulish part of man. Okay, we are a spirit. We have a soul. We live in a body. The soul is basically the the emotions, the ability to comprehend, the ability to think, to think thoughts, different things like that. Okay, that's what the soul is in reference. That's why the spirit and soul will live forever. That's why we'll know each other in heaven. Okay, I, I will know you. You will know me. Okay, and and so uh, that's because our soul is eternal also. Okay, and most most believe that that's that. Animals have a spirit. They don't have a soul. Okay? Now, I'm not going to get into that because I know a lot of you are saying, what about my pet? Folks, I I actually believe the Bible tells us that we're going to have our animals in heaven. Now, if you have 500 dogs, I don't want you living next to me. (laughs) Folks, I, I, I don't know. Okay. But the reality is they don't have that faculty of knowing. They have different abilities and stuff. They're some of the most smart. Some of them can be smart creatures. Okay, But I'm not going that direction. What I'm going, folks, is the mind is where the enemy purposes to deceive. This is why, listen to me, this is why God says to guard your mind. Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 24. Who's got it? Who's reading it? Okay, Tim, I'm going to stop you along the way. What version? Uh, NIV, sir. NIV. Okay. So read, read uh, succinctly and concisely and very purposely, okay?
2: So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You stop that- right there.
1: I want you to, if you've got somebody that writes in the Bible and marks in your Bible, underline those words. He said, I speak to you this, I tell you this, and in the Lord, folks, when Paul puts in his writing, he's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he said, I insist on this, in the Lord, all of heaven is back in it. There's times in the Bible, Paul says, I say, and this is not the Lord, but 99.9% of the time, he said this. But when he puts those terms in there, you know this is something you have to really grab a hold of. I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. Now, look at me. What's going to follow here is pertinent to your victory as living a Christian. It's pertinent as your Christian, as your life living a Christian. I've had people say, well, I'm a Christian. I just don't do everything right. It's not about perfection, folks. He did everything. But it is about dedication, it is about commitment. You cannot call your Christian and not live Christ like. You can't do it. So, this is what Paul's saying here. He's outlining some things to the Ephesus church. He said, folks, Ephesus was a very licentious city. They, 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 their, whole, their whole religion was based on fertility. They had a goddess that had, I don't know how many breasts, but it was, that's what the whole thing was about. And it was all about uh, licentiousness. It was all about this. And they put up all these these uh, references. And he's saying, guys, you need to grab a hold of this if you're going to be a victorious Christian, living a victorious Christian life. So start again, and I'll we'll let you go on a little bit further.
2: So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do.
1: How how, 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 what, what, what no longer? Live. Well, what's the word I'm looking for? You must. Not. Stop living like that. What are the Gentiles?
2: Non-Jews.
1: Non-Jews, but what are the Gentiles? If you were to look up the word Gentile, the word Gentile means heathen. Not just non-Jew. Yes, anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. But a Gentile is a heathen. Look at somebody and say, man, God knew me, didn't he? <laughs> okay? Do, you must no longer live. Okay, look what Paul says. He says, I insist that you get a hold of this. You must stop living. Like the Gentiles. And then he tells you the whole root of their living. What was the next line there, Tim?
2: You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Okay,
1: stop there. In the futility of their thinking. That, that, uh, that word futility, I, I know what it means, but it, it intrigued me. So I went into the Greek to actually look at it, and I wrote down Exactly what the Greek word for utility, or the Greek for futility means. Listen to what it says here. It's called aimlessness because you lack purpose. Life's all about you. Okay, I'll let you you read that, honey, one after we get there. Okay. Aimlessness due to lacking purpose, or listen to this, or a meaningful end. In other words, you're just going through life. This is how it ends. It says nonsense because you're transitory. You just think you're going through life. You die, you die. Warm fruit. What a definition he said that's how the gentiles live that's the futility of their thinking okay i'm sorry no purpose aimless no purpose okay so let me read this to you this is this is how my wife's bible she has uh wh- what is this honey the application study bible a great bible okay if you want to if you're looking for a good study bible the Application Study Bible. Look what it says in four seventeen: Living in the futility of their own stinking, uh, thinking, stinking, living in the futility of their own thinking, refused to, re- refers to the natural tendency of human beings to think their way away from God's way. Intellectual pride, rationalization, and excuses all uh, excuses all keep people from God. Don't be surprised if people can't grasp the gospel. The gospel will seem foolish to them who forsake faith because they rely on their own understanding. In the futility, that's 417 out of the, that's one of the uh, study notes in the ampli- or the uh, Life Application Bible. Okay, questions? Okay, so look what Paul says. I tell you this. Matter of fact, I insist on this. You must stop living in the futility, the aimlessness, you have no purpose type thinking, thinking there is no meaning to life, therefore there is no meaningful end, that you just live a life of nonsense and transitory existence. And look why. Go ahead, Tim.
2: They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts.
1: Because of why? But it starts with ignorance. What is the root word to ignorance, to ignore? Romans says the the things of God are blatant before us, but you choose to ignore them. That's what the Gentiles do. See, a Gentile remains a Gentile many times because a Gentile chooses to remain a Gentile. They like the life. They have no purpose. They have no meaning. Therefore, they think they have no responsibility. Okay? Uh, Start with having lost all sensitivity. Having lost
2: all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to the sensuality. Yes, sensuality. Yeah, that's right. So as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed.
1: Does it sound like anything we're dealing with today? Go on, ramp it. Go ahead.
2: That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard that Christ and heard of heard about Christ and were taught to in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires.
1: Which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Look at me for a second. Your flesh does not want to go to heaven. It's not going to heaven. (laughs) But it wants to make sure it keeps you from heaven. Okay? That's where Satan operates. In your mind through deception. And Paul says, I insist... That you put off. A lot of people, well, Jesus loves me just like I am. You're right. He just loves you too much to leave you that way. Okay? He says you've got to stop living. Folks, I was talking to somebody today, you know, about different organizations and different uh, ministries and stuff like that. They're so afraid they're going to offend somebody, they won't challenge anybody on anything. Oh, God understands. No, he doesn't. How can I give my son, I believe God would say if he was here right now. How can I give my son? And you guys keep living that way. Not y'all, but folks. Well, God understands. I'm thinking about it. Folks, how can we, how can we? The deceitfulness of corruption. That is fueled by our own desires. Go ahead. Finish it up, would you please?
2: To be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness.
1: Second Corinthians 4. Did I give that to somebody? Heather, give me Second Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. And because you're right next door, Eula, Romans 8, 5 through 8. Okay. The Bible is very clear. You cannot live the life you used to live if you're going to be a Christian. You can't do it. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we fall short. But, folks, can I tell you something? The Bible says when I was a child, when I was a baby, I thought like a baby. I acted like a baby. I talked like a baby. I crawled like a baby. I pooped my pants like a baby. But when I get older, I'm supposed to be in control of my facilities, whether it's lower or upper. 2 Corinthians, go ahead.
0: 2 Corinthians 4, 3, and 4, NIV. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God.
1: If it is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Who is perishing? I'm sorry? Sinners? Why? Okay, let me rephrase that. Why are they perishing? Okay, because they don't believe or they won't. Believe You see, perishing is a choice. No one perishes except they choose to perish. I'm sorry, yeah not at all. Yeah, everybody, Jesus said these words, everyone, Romans chapter uh, chapter 10, verse 13. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. Uh, you know, we get into this in this, this conversation because we have this doctrine called eternal security. Okay? And this eternal security doctrine says once saved, always saved. Well, that's the problem with that. It's not what the Bible teaches. Okay? You pull a handful of scriptures out of context and you build a doctrine out of it. Okay? And I've said this before, folks, and I say this without apology. Okay? Uh, Calvinism is part of the greatest damnable heresy on the face of the earth. And it belongs to the largest denomination on earth, the Southern Baptist. Okay? Why do I say this? And, folks, uh, I'm, I'm really trying to not step on, on, on toes here. Well, actually, yes, I am. I'll step on toes. Uh, if I offend you into heaven, great. It's better than pacifying you into hell. The reality is everyone that is born, Eternal security. Uh, Five-point Calvinism teaches that you cannot be saved. It's called sovereign grace. There's actually uh, two churches in town that are sovereign grace churches. They're, the people that are there are the only people in Flagstaff that are saved. Okay. And you can't even be saved if you want to be saved. God had to foreordain. They pull, Reverend, uh, they pull Romans chapter eight, and they take a few scriptures out of context. They pull First John. They pull a few scriptures out of context. They do these different things. You say, Pastor, how did that happen? Deception. Are we okay? Okay. So they they pull these things out of context, and they base an entire doctrine. I want to be saved. But unless God chose for me to be saved, then I can't be saved. Then let's throw half the Bible away. Because the Bible says the only people that can't be saved are the people that choose not to be saved. Re- uh, the most famous passage, John 3, 16. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that... Whosoever. Who? Uh, who? Whosoever. H- who?
0: Whosoever. Are
1: you a whosoever? So that means if you want to get saved, you can get saved. Is that right? Okay. That whosoever, that's the word we have a problem with. That belief part. Because to believe does not mean just to accept something. Okay. That's what the Bible tells us. The demons in hell believe. And they shudder. Okay. Whosoever believes. That word believe means to cling to, rely upon, and acknowledge. Okay? First John says, if you do not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, you cannot, you're not even saved. You cannot be saved. You're not even saved. Okay? What does that mean? That God left heaven and walked the earth as a man. That's what it literally means. If you don't believe that Jesus is God, you're not a Christian. If you don't believe in a virgin birth, you can't be a Christian. These are all the fundamental truths of Christianity. Okay? So everyone that calls on the name of the Lord. Okay? It, whosoever believes would not perish. What are we talking about? Those who are perishing. Why are they perishing? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. What does 17 say? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Why did Jesus come? Just, just Valerie? Just Lucinda? Just Loretta. I bet it just Loretta. Who? The world. The world is not this mud heap we live on, folks. It's mankind. It's the human race. It's everyone that's ever breathed and lived and walked on this earth. Okay? He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, Okay, once again, if you go by selection, which is part of five-point Calvinism, then that means there's people condemned and they have no choice. So that means God's a liar. Jesus came to condemn them. Oh, you can't get saved. Oh, you no, you can't get saved. Yeah, you can get saved. You, no, nah, sorry, Dylan can't. Okay, Loretta, yes, Tim, no. Okay, so did Jesus come to condemn? What's the Bible say? Remember the adulterous woman in John 3? Living a stupid life. Oh, that's not what he said. Just go and sin no more. That's right. I, I was translating it. <laughs> yeah, I was translating it into redneck. Thank you, honey. <laughs> go and sin no more. Okay, for God didn't send his son to the world, condemn the world, but that the world through him what? Might I be, be saved. saved. Oh, just for gee golly Willicker's sake, let's go to verse 18. What does verse 18 say? Okay. What's it say? I want to make you read it. What's it say? What's it say, hon? We have the problem with that word believe. God didn't send His Son of the world condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. But the world is condemned already because they've chosen not to believe on the only begotten Son of God. You know why? Because light has come to the world and exposes the darkness in their life. See, that's what Heather just read. The folks, folks the reality... In all of it, I shut down my notes. I'm back. Okay, good. The reality. Who is perishing? Those that are choosing to perish. Who would choose to perish? The very ones that choose not to believe. Okay? But why? Remember what Heather just read? Their eyes are blinded or veiled. There's a veil. Okay? Why? Those who are perishing. They've made a decision I don't want to do this, and this is why. Go ahead, Romans chapter 8. Go ahead, uh, Eula.
0: Romans 8, 5 through 8, right? Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. You mean God didn't condemn them? Mm. God didn't say they, could, they, that they just couldn't get saved. They can't get saved. Okay? That's not what no. What does it
0: what, what say again? Say, read that again. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the
1: flesh desires. You mean people do what they want to do and you can't do anything about it? Can I save anybody? Can I change anybody? Folks, I know you guys come in, in, here, and, in here and you're just you're just overwhelmed by the, the oration that comes across. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting here. You're in awe and you're just... You just you come flooding to the altar, don't you? No, I'm sorry, my humor does get better, folks. Okay, no, folks. My job is to preach the truth. Amen. There's there's threefold aspect. Can, can I tell you? Pretty much everything God comes in threes. I don't understand it fully, but I know that's the complete. That's the that's the Trinity. That's the triune existence. My job as a pastor is to preach the truth. You know, when I preach the truth, I'm done. My job's done. Completely done. You know what happens when my job ends? His job begins. I mean, everybody, well, God's everywhere. That's right, but God's not moving everywhere. God only remo- moves in response to his people, in response to his word. When I send his word forth, his job is to make sure it doesn't come back void. But guess what? Elsie still has a choice. Lucinda still has a choice. Steve has a choice. Jack has a choice. So the reality is Jack might say, yes, God, I, I received that word. Elsie might say, yes, I received that word. Leila is saying, nah, not today. Maybe next week. Okay, somebody else might say, nah, I don't believe that stuff. Okay, well, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Don't come back next week, okay? We're going to try to make it this week. Okay? My job ends when I preach the truth. His job begins. You know what his job is? (laughs) You know what God's job is? To set you free. It's not my job. I'm responsible to you, not responsible for you. Okay? My job is to preach the truth. His job is to set you free. You know what? There's one more job that has to be done. And whose job is that? Your job. You know what that job is? You got to let him. You got to let him. But the problem is, is we have this mind that controls this flesh. So go ahead and read that again, would you?
0: Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their
1: on what the Spirit desires. Those who have their minds set on the flesh are going to live the flesh. But when you have your mind set on the Spirit, so who's in control of your mind? Okay. Think about that for a second. Okay. Okay. Oh, it's not a it's not a it's not a trick question. I want to give you the exact scripture. Who controls your mind?
0: Spirit
1: of the person. Say it again, Danny. Who you let control. Romans chapter 6. Don't you know who you yield yourself, servants to obey? That's whose servant you are. It's ultimately you, but you have yielded yourself. Okay, why? Because you're in the flesh or you're in the Spirit. When you walk in the flesh, what are you going to yield yourself to? The devil. When you're in the Spirit, what are you going to yield yourself to? God. That's right. You know, uh, uh, so that's what it says in, in Romans 6.16. You can write it down. It's not in your notes. Okay, but I want you to do because it says you're either going to yield yourself servants to, to become slaves of sin, which leads to death, or you're going to, live your, you're going to yield yourself to uh, obedience, which leads to righteousness. Are you with me? Okay, so ultimately, you're in control, but the minute you choose to stay in the flesh, you will accomplish, now, and and understand this, understand this. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. When you're in the flesh, who's ultimately driving you? When you choose to be in the flesh, that's all I got left. I've been giving all the money away. When you choose to live in the flesh, yeah, Satan is in charge, but you're driving, fully in control, okay? That's why the Bible calls it the works of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5. What is the difference between works and fruit? One comes by your hand, the other comes by God's hand. Love, joy, peace, all of these different things, these are fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that God develops in your life when you yield yourself unto Him. Can somebody say amen? Am I making any sense tonight? Okay. So look what it says here, Romans 12.2. Who has it? Romans 12.2. Okay. And then we have, uh, after that, we've got John 17. And then we have John eight, and then we have Matthew eleven. Okay, Romans okay. twelve two. Romans twelve two. Look what it says here. We're going back to Ephesians four. Okay. Ephesians four, Paul is making a conscious effort to help us to realize you must stop living the way you used to live. Some of you old enough to remember Flip Wilson. Yeah. He was an old funny comedian way back when. But how many remember his number one game? The devil made me do it. Folks, look at me. The devil can't make you do anything. He can't make you do anything. Okay. So listen to what, what, uh, um, yeah, Lucinda. I started to say Jeff's wife, but I won't say (laughs) that. What Lucinda is reading here, and then we're going to open it up for questions. Okay, go ahead, Lucinda.
3: Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Say it again. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay, so what
1: is this saying here? Okay, but, but who is he, who's saying is in charge of that? We are. We are. Do not conform. You don't have to conform. Okay, go ahead.
3: But be transformed by the renewing of your mind.
1: Okay, so he says, you stop being like the world. And start becoming like Christ. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed. How do you transform your life? You renew your mind. How do you renew your mind? I'm sorry? The Word of God. The word of God. Okay. Here. Let me have that. Let me have that, babe. Okay, I'll, I'll be careful. Okay. Okay. How many know what this is up here? Okay, study, uh, study it right now. Go ahead, study. Stare at it. Are you renewing your mind? No. Okay, hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. Is she renewing her mind? Oh, come on. If I have one, am I renewing my mind? No. Okay, if I come to church on Sunday morning and pastor preaches to me from it, am I renewing my mind? teeny. How do you renew it? By getting into the Word. You got to get the Word inside you. You cannot renew, renew, renew your mind. And then look what it says here, okay? You stop living the way you used to live, transform your mind by getting into God's Word and then what happens? Galatians chapter 5 starts becoming a reality. Go ahead. Finish? Yeah. Okay.
3: Then, <laughs> I
1: didn't know if you wanted No, to that. that's good. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will.
1: When you get into God's word, you don't have to sit around and ask, what is God's will for my life? It's in his word. He will show you. But, folks, listen to me, please. If you come to church expecting to get the will of God over the pulpit, it doesn't happen hardly ever. Yes, there are supernatural manifestations that God, bing! But, majority, you want to know God's will, get into God's Word. Only then will you know God's way. Okay? Be careful. I have said for years and years and years of your thoughts because they could break into words at any moment. You've got to be careful of your thoughts because they could break into words. See, God desires our lives to be renewed. And the only way you can do what Ephesians 4 tells us, what Romans 8 tells us, what 2 Corinthians tells us, what Philippians, what the, the only way you can do what the Word of God tells you is by getting yourself ingrained in the Word of God. He does that by washing of water by the Word. He'll literally wash the garbage out and put the newness in. This is done by what is called the Word of His truth. Go ahead, seventeen. John 17, 17, then John 8, 32, and then we're going to get back to you, Ken, so you get your Scripture ready. What's it what's say, honey?
3: Okay, this is where Jesus is praying for his disciples, and 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word
1: is truth. Paul, Jesus is praying for his disciples, and what's he say? Sanctify them by your truth. And then what's he say? Your word is truth. Does it say victorious life is truth? Does it say religion is truth? Does it say feeling is truth? His word. Go ahead. And microphone, David. One of my favorite words that Jesus gives as he's talking to the father and he says,
2: I gave them Your words, and I spoke them the way you told me to speak them. So these aren't even his words. This is how special God's word is. It's
1: straight from the throne. They're powerful. They go out. They do not return void. Amen. Yeah. So let's let's okay. And uh, John eight thirty two. Who has that? John eight Jack. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. (laughs) My word is truth. When you get into my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That word know is not just a, once again, an acceding that, I, yeah, okay, I, I, I know that. No, it literally means you will understand. When you abide, the, the, uh, verse 31 says, abide in me, and my word abides in you. You will know the truth. You are my disciples indeed. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So you put it all together in context. When you abide in me, you know what that literally means? You're living in him. This Bible is not a pastime. Can I tell you something? If most of us, well, no, i take that back. Most of y'all, because when I'm reading something, folks, I'm either reading the Bible on my computer, I'm reading things pertaining to God's word, I'm reading things that are taking me into God's word, but folks, I get all kinds of email, and I've shared with you. I get stuff. Some of you all send wonderful stuff. But if you don't grab my attention in the first paragraph, my file is called trash. And it goes. Folks, I get all I need right here. I really do. Okay? And so he said, if you abide in me, if you live in this, you are then my disciples indeed. You will know the truth. Scratch that word "know" or circle that word "know," and right next to it, understand. You will understand the truth, and the context is the truth you understand. Oswald Sanders, one of the great uh, apologetics of of years gone by, he he wrote. Uh, what's the name of that book? We all we've all read it a hundred times, Pastor Phil. I'm on, Uh Oswald Sanders. Uh, what? My utmost for his highest. Oswald uh, Chambers, I'm sorry. My utmost for his highest. Okay? He said the only part of the gospel that you know is the part you live. If you're not living it, you don't know it. You will know the truth. You will understand the truth. And the truth you understand will set you free. That's why the devil tries to keep you out of the Bible. That's why the devil tries to keep the Word of God out of your life. Why? Because he knows it's the only thing that can transform you. You can go to church your, inter- your entire life, folks. And as you've heard me say a thousand times, going to church doesn't make you a Christian more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. It doesn't change you. Yes, I can be an awesome preacher, and we've got great preachers in this church, and we've got great teachers, and we've got great everything. But folks, if all you get of God's Word is on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, you lose. You've got to get into God's Word. That's why we have this thing coming up on the 1st of October, starting Thursday night, next Thursday night, next Thursday night. Okay. Next Thursday night, uh, they're, they're reading the Bible at, 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 uh, uh, at City Hall. My wife and I are going to be there reading, Pastor Ray, Pastor Philemon, lots of f- folks. Everybody needs to sign up. Everybody go, go there and read God's Word. Pastor, I don't know if I have time. It might be the only Bible reading you do all week. Who did I say that out loud? Hmm. Fifteen minutes is all you got to do. Read the Bible and get out there. It's going to be it's 24 hours a day for four days to get through, three days, to get through the whole Bible. And, folks, can I tell you something? Biblically, it is the only thing that does not come back void. God's Word. You'll know the truth. See, folks, this is not in your notes, but I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me. If I if I would have got it to you in time, Bob I would have said, put this up on the screen. Listen, listen to this. If Satan can get you to doubt the truth, he can get a toehold. I'm gonna break this down real quick in the next in the next ten minutes. If Satan can get you to doubt the truth, he can get you, he can get a toehold in your life. Just question it. Well, is that really what it means? I don't think That's called a toehold. If he can get you to believe a lie, now he's got a foothold. If he can get you to doubt so much and believe so little, now he has a stronghold. And it will cause you to live a life of delusion. That's what God said. Don't be hearers of my word, be doers. Because if you're just a hearer only, you deceive yourself. That's what the book of James says. You're a hearer only. I, I can't tell you how many people that can quote the Bible. I was talking to a guy just a few weeks ago. We, my wife and I were at an event, and I, I started to talk to this guy about his life in Christ. And he started, you know, I would say something, and he would take me to a chapter. I would say something. He would take me to another chapter. He would say something. To, the problem is he's living with a woman, not even his wife. He's, you know, which is, let's see, what's the Bible called? Oh, that's fornication. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, pastor, if I'm living with somebody and not married to them and the rapture happened, am I going? No. Well, if I'm living with somebody and, and I die, am I going to heaven? No. No. You are judging me. That's your first problem. Satan has a toll, hold, a foothold, and a stronghold. And now you live a life of delusion. You know why? Because somewhere in some ministry you got together with somebody that said, it's okay, God understands. God does not understand. He died that we could live. But living is for him, not for us. Okay? Let me say it again. If Satan can get you to doubt the truth, Which is what happens when people go church to church to church to church. I'm not a green thumb person, but I do understand enough about transplanting that you can only transplant a plant so many times. If you go church to church, to church to church, pretty soon you're just a dead person going church to church, church to church. Very religious. Okay, listen to me. If Satan can get you to doubt the truth, he can get a toehold. If he can get you to believe a lie, he can get a foothold. And if he can get you to doubt so much that you believe so little, then he has a stronghold, and you will live a life of delusion. When you come to church and you start to see the bad more than you see the good, you better watch out. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean? Folks, the church is full of bad. You follow me long enough, you're going to find some bad. I'm not going to tell you how long you've got to follow me, but you've got to follow me for a little while. But you're going to find bad. I'm human, folks. No nail prints. Not because I want to. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I wind up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, God, I know how wretched I am. But if you're coming to churches, that's all you see is the bad. It's because you've got a fruit problem. That it's all been caused by a root problem. This is why the enemy attacks the mind, and why we must always protect our minds from believing the lies, doubt, and delusionment that come straight from the enemy, John eleven, if you would, uh, are you got a question first, Ken I do. okay, go ahead
3: when my my grandson started getting interested in Christ and he started reading, unfortunately, it was internet, not Bible, yeah. and I told him after dialoguing with him a few times, get out of the internet, read the Bible so you can judge the internet, don't use the internet to judge
1: the Bible. Amen. So. Folks, can I tell you something? I, I'm going to shock you. Not everything on the internet is true. Oh. Okay. I want to make sure we got that out there. We're going to read it. Go ahead. John, uh, Mark, Matthew 11, Ken, would you please? Now, before he reads, he is going to be reading about John the, Apost- uh, John the Baptist. And I want you to listen to this story, uh, not this story, this, this, truth, this true uh, picture of what happened to John. Now, John was Jesus' cousin. John is the one that stood and said, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. John is the one that first declared he is the Christ. Stop looking to me and follow him. But some things didn't work out the way John thought they would. And now let's listen to John. New
3: King James Version. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me.
1: John, or Matthew. We're in the book of Matthew, and we're in uh, 11, 2 through 6. Okay? Folks, John the Baptist, if you, Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter, it's in your notes, 11, uh, uh, chapter 2 through 6. Actually, it might not be in your notes. I might have put it in later. Matthew 11, 2 through 6. Okay? John, the first one that knew exactly who Jesus was. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The disciples, John's disciples came to him and said, well, Jesus is doing this and this and this. And John said, go follow him, folks. He knew exactly who he was. John is in prison. He is going to lose his head. Fifteen pounds of ugly fat removed immediately. And he's in prison knowing exactly who Jesus is. But things didn't go the way he thought they would. You are a Christian. Can I tell you about people? They are going to fail you. They're going to let you down. Can I tell you about pastors? They're going to fail you. They're going to let you down. Can I tell you about other Christians? They're going to fail you. They're going to let you down. Can I tell you, none of them died and rose again from the dead. They're trying to live for God just as much as you do. The only difference between you and me, I'm going to be held accountable for every single thing I've told you across that pulpit. i got a heavier thing on me. That's the only difference, folks. God doesn't love me more. God doesn't give me favors I answered the call, and God said, okay, John, ask Jesus, listen, listen to how the devil tormented his mind. Are you the one, or should we look for another? Ladies and gentlemen, the devil never stops. Let me give you a picture. I wrote this down today. I want you, I had a lot more stuff to talk about, but folks, we, you know, just, I want to talk to you about this whole concept of toehold, foothold, and stronghold. Because there's people in this room that are playing with the devil's toes. And you better, you better grab a hold of it. There's friends that you hang around with that are scratching the devil's feet. Listen to this. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He generally starts his path of destruction, never in that capacity. He starts it with a simple toehold. You know why? All he wants to do is get welcomed at your table. He just wants to be able to come into your house. You know how that happens? When it's okay for you to be around people that are saying things they shouldn't say, and you're not saying anything. Okay? You say, well, Pastor, that's just the world we live in. That's right. You're in the world. You're not of it. And if you don't stand up, they fall down. He's just looking for a seat at the table. Let me take you through a little picture of life. It started back in the 60s. Our nation allowed a toll hold. And that tollhold was sexual perversion. We called it the sexual revolution, okay, which now has become a stronghold of sexual anarchy in America. And this stronghold masks itself in diversity, inclusion, and tolerance. It started as a toehold. What's wrong with free love? Come on. What's the matter, man and man, woman and woman, man and 15 girls, 15 girls and and 500 guys? What's the difference? You should be okay with that. Then another stronghold came to America at first Satan got a toll hold in the 20s. A man, a teacher, stood up in Tennessee and challenged creationism. The man's name was Scope. We know it as the Scopes Monkey Trial. 1925, Tennessee versus Scopes. And evolution was now allowed into the American schools. Why? It's part of the intellect. Eventually, of course, this toehold became a foothold that now has turned to a stronghold and a stranglehold that creation cannot even be taught at all. And as a result, in 1973, we had something called Roe versus Wade to where now multiple millions and millions of babies were aborted. Why? If we evolved and we have no creator, then who determines the outcome if there's no God? You see how a toll hold? Satan also has a stronghold in the entertainment industry, the marketplace, the halls of education, the spheres of culture. Can I tell you, I was praying, uh, not this morning, but yesterday morning, and God spoke to me. Because you know what the big cry is? Our culture. It's about culture. I've got a culture. You've got a culture. And you know what God spoke to me? He said, before there was culture, there was Christ. Look at me, folks. You get caught up in all this garbage, culture replaces Christ. Before there was culture, there was Christ. And in the spheres of culture, and we're seeing it today in Black Lives Matter, in in the football, uh, NFL, in all these different things, folks, it's either you be silent or dead. Oh, not physical death yet. But your reputation, your job, but listen to me, there is good news. I laid out the bad news first. There is good news. Satan only has a toll hold, a little bit of a foothold in our government. You say, well, pastor, the government's messed up. That's right. But the reality in the government, there is still a public debate that has to transpire, at least at this juncture. The key evidence that a stronghold has taken place is when there is demanded silence from the dissenters or they lose their head. How many know that's exactly what's going to happen in the tribulation period? Are you with me okay today? This is where our country's headed. The most important phenomenon that has happened in America, though, is this. Not the stronghold in the entertainment. Not the stronghold in the marketplace or even in the... In the uh, education, and it's not even the foothold and toehold in the government. It is the fact that Satan has a toehold and a foothold in the church. You see, this is the last straw in the destruction of a nation. When that toehold becomes a stronghold, America has no hope. That's why God said, God said, not Tim Masters, not some other Christian church, not some other person standing up on a soapbox. God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And ladies and gentlemen, in the church, until we make it about him, it'll never be about them. But the moment it becomes about him, it becomes about us and them. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. He's talking to the church. He said, then I'll hear from heaven. Then I'll hear from heaven. Folks, we've got to remember, all those Satan, we'll bruise our heel, we're going to crush his head. I believe it's time for the church to repent and return to the Lord God Almighty. But it starts with the renewing of our minds, because that's where the battle is. Questions? I know I preached a little bit tonight. Hope you're okay with that. Yes. What is this? Yeah. Questions? Real concise, David. I, I, I get the microphone, David. Real short. What? When you... Okay, David, you know me for how many years? How many do you think I would not have said something? Asking oh, I did you. tell him.
0: Did I told him, him, You better Amen. stop
1: or you're gonna burn in hell. I had a I had a folks <laughs> there's somebody that used to come to this church that I I've become everything but a good name to them. Because I told them you can't live with another man's wife and think it's okay. So I became the bad guy and they left and and now I get my Reputation smeared. You know why? Because I told him, you're going to hell. Why, you can't judge me? I ain't. The Word is. Are you okay? Thank you, David, for asking. Yeah. Folks, if you want to talk to me, if it's okay or not, I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what God's Word says. Uh, And it will be the same. Thank you. And it will be the same. Some other question. Thank you, David. Good question. Somebody else. Any other questions? Praise the Lord.